Assalamualaikum everyone. My name is Alvina and I am the Executive Director here at the Imam Ali Conference and also the Programs Manager at Universal Muslim American Association, commonly known as Ummah. I'd like to congratulate everyone in the, in the entire Muslim Ummah on the birth anniversary of Amir al-Mumaneen, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib. First and foremost, I'd like to thank every single individual who has come together collectively to make this conference a success and a special shout out to the executive team and Sayyid Jawad Kazini for their tireless work day and night and Sayyid Jawad for his guidance and leadership throughout the entire planning process. Without further ado, today I have two esteemed guest speakers on our segment titled Family Values. I'd like to welcome Sayyid Hussain Maki and Sister Khuda Al-Marashi. Sorry if I butchered the pronunciation. A little bit about both the um, guest speakers. Sayyid Hassan Mati is a student of the Islamic sciences. He holds a degree in journalism as well as a master's in religions and global politics from SOAS University in London. He has been engaged in classical seminary studies at the Hosa of Lebanon for the last nine years. Sayyid Hassan has recently been engaging with youth, youth from different countries or communities around the world on issues of Islamic identity, spirituality, and mental health. Our second guest speaker today is Sister Huda Al-Marashi. She is the author of First Comes Marriage, My Not-So-Typical American Love Story, a book the Washington Post called A Charming, Funny, Heartbreaking Memoir of Faith, Family, and a Journey to Love. If Jane Austen had grown up as a first-gen daughter of Iraqi parents in the 1990s, she might have written this. Her other writing has appeared in New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, Al Jazeera, and elsewhere. She is currently a fellow with the Highlights Foundation Muslim Storytellers Program and, work, and, and is working on Grounded, a collaborative novel for middle grade readers forthcoming in 2023, so keep an eye out for that. Due to our time limitations, I'd, I'd like to delve right into our discussion today. And the first question I have is, what are family values, a few examples of them, and why is it so important to have them? And I wanted to hand over the mic or give the floor first to Sister Huda to take it, take it away. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I think when it comes to the conversation of family values, it is not an exaggeration to say that world peace truly starts at home. This is the first place where we model to young children how to get their needs met, how we model conflict resolution, and how we model leadership structures, how we interact with others. And so everything we are doing at home and with our children is literally felt for generations because this carries on to how they interact with their children, their families, and what they take forward into the world. Thank you, Sister Huda and Nancy Hussain. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Um, First of all, when it comes to values, I think it's very important that we understand that each individual has values in their lives, whether they realize it or not. And it's very important that we are able to realize it because they can, we can more consciously go into the direction of those values. Because when those values aren't met, we don't feel fulfilled as individuals, let alone for those values to define a family, because that's what it actually does. The values that you identify in your life end up defining you and the direction you want to take. So if there are no values, there's no direction. And if there are no family values, there isn't a family direction. That's why 
you read in several books the idea of a family getting together to make a mission statement. And they emphasize the fact that the parents cannot make it out like they are deciding what that mission statement is for the children. Rather, it has to be done in a way where they can all have a say because the value is something that has to be met by all of them. But the central role of the parents has to be in a wise way to teach their children those values Islamically, which is what I want to speak about, Islamically, the conscious values that they want to go towards. And there are several examples of these, which inshallah over the course of the next 20 or 30 minutes we can go over. But what I really wanted to focus on were mainly three, and I hope I get enough time to explain them. And they are love, knowledge, and the message. And I'll explain what that last one is because I think that's the one that's the most important. But before I go on, I just wanted to give the give you a chance to uh, ask any other questions, Sister Huda, or uh, which way you want to take this this conversation. Yeah, sure. So I wanted to pose the next question for Sister Huda, which is how to instill and implement values in your family that align with your beliefs despite challenges, external ch um, factors, and challenges you may face. Okay. The way I look at instilling family values in your uh, within the family is as having three parts. So the first part would be to take care of yourself first. As I mentioned before, you know we're laying a foundation in our early childhood. So the first part is for us to look inward and to ask what are we carrying from our childhood into our family dynamic? What is no longer serving us? And that may involve actually studying, getting therapy, uh, journaling, really diving into our own history to see what dynamics are we carrying into the family. The second is to focus on your relationship with your spouse. I don't think that any family is, uh, can focus on the family values that they're imparting their children if the relationship between the two spouses isn't structurally sound, right? That's where the foundation is built. And that also sometimes requires work. You know, I think we tend to assume that we can sit back and these things can happen organically because we're just given children. We're allowed to have them. There's no legal license to get children, but that doesn't mean that these things don't require effort on our part, that they don't require education on our part. So we're educating ourselves about ourselves we're educating ourselves about our relationship with our spouse, working to improve our relationship with our spouse. And I think that is third step is where we can turn the focus on to our relationship with our children. And then when we're looking at our relationship with our children, what are the, the values that we're going to try to impart on them are things like open communication. You know, as long as the family is in dialogue, progress can be made. But when we see the family dynamic shutting down is when there is no communication. The thing that terrifies me the most in any family dynamic is when I see that communication is used as a weapon in the household. We've all seen it, right? I'm unhappy with you. I'm unhappy with something with you that you've done, so I withdraw from the conversation. We don't talk. We don't stop talking. If there's number one family value that I have in my home is that there's absolutely never ever any silent treatment, right? Because there can be no progress. 
And then it's up to the parents to facilitate and nurture the relationship between siblings, because that is another place where toxic interactions can come into play that will carry out through the generations. So parents then are in the position of power to become the facilitators of the other relationships. So we take care of ourselves, we take care of our relationship with our spouse, and then we focus on, on our relationship with our children, uh, fostering open communications, and we facilitate the other dynamics within the family structure with siblings and um, even grandparents, aunts and uncles. Okay, and I'll turn it over to Sage Spain. Okay, so um, the last question I have for Sayyid Hussain is, how did Imam Ali and the Ahlul Bayt exemplify family values and morals throughout their lives? And how can we apply these and instill these values and morals in our own families today? Okay, um, first of all, I just wanna say that was awesome, what Sister Huda said, because right. it has a lot to do with especially the, the first value. Um, so all these values that I chose to speak about, of course there are more, but that I should speak about these three uh, have to be based on this first one. Otherwise, no other values can be taught. The first one, the foundation for all the other values is love. And that's why I really like what Sister Huda said, because love has to be that springboard from which the family is able to jump and begin their journey. If there's no love, it becomes very problematic for any other value to be taught. You'll notice that in the first 10 years of an individual's life, the love that they take from their parents or their family is the currency that they go and use for the rest of their lives. If they don't get enough of that, if they're not encompassed by enough love, you will find problems ensue. And we can see that for a lot of our brothers and sisters in our lives right now, mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with our parents or our childhood or certain events that occurred when we were kids. So love has to be taught and given Exponentially, and that's why I think, um, of course, both parents have a huge role to play there. I would say, especially the woman, because usually the heart is more open with the woman. Doesn't mean the father can't contribute, he definitely, absolutely must contribute. Uh, but they both have central roles to play there. And the Ahlul Bayt show us how to do this. So we see how Rasulullah says that when the husband tells the wife, that he loves her, it never leaves her heart. And that's not only to be done privately, that's supposed to be done in front of the children for them to constantly see love between the mother and the father and on the opposite side, never to see them fighting or angry at each other. So they have to be very careful to keep that very private. You have the narration that tell us about when you want to play with children, get onto your knees and play with them on their level, with their height, let them feel like their children and that you're a child too with them or when you're a father there's narrations when the father comes home and he bears gifts to always begin with the daughter first before the son that with the daughter she especially has to be raised with that love because she's going to be the one expected to give a lot more love later on so to focus on her and uh, finally when it comes to the idea of Rasulullah and Imam al-Hassan and Imam al-Hussain he shows constantly, even though he's the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa and even in his sujood, you see how Imam al-Hassan and Imam al-Hussein, when they're children, they're jumping on his back. When he gets up, he's giving a lecture one time, 
and then they come and they interrupt his lecture as children and he stops he stops the lecture and then he starts smiling and laughing with them and everyone sees that and Rasulullah is showing here that when it comes to the family we're not supposed to block them out of whatever it is we're doing with our lives with our work especially when his job was the most important job in all of history so he wouldn't even let that stop him that's the first thing the second thing is knowledge the value of knowledge is something that is really underlooked and underestimated we think we could just put our kids in Saturday school and madrasa and for them to learn how to read some Arabic words and that's enough and it's not enough the narrations tell us the other bait tell us that we have to teach our children the Quran that's the source and teach them Quran doesn't mean teach them how to recite the Quran the Quran has pearls of knowledge it has principles that we want to understand that we want to live by that we want to learn the parents have to be equipped enough to teach these skills to the children to teach them how to incorporate Quranic teachings into their lives like we look at Amaraja and Sayyid Ali Khamenei always says that his mother telling him about the stories of prophets when he was a child like Musa and Isa and what they did the stories from the Quran that was so impactful on him from a young age so he would see them as superheroes right this is before the Avengers and Marvel and everything so when you're telling about Musa and Musa split the sea and Jesus brought the bird back to life and you think wow and, and this mixes with your blood and your flesh and you become really inspired by these personalities um, the other bait tell us to teach the, our children how to ride horses how to swim and swordsmanship okay so right now these don't seem like skills that we need very often but think about it teach your children how to drive that bonding time with your child uh, or teach your children how to defend themselves with martial arts and swimming still applies and swimming you think about it and a lot of kids are scared of water so teach your children how to overcome fears right so this is something that shouldn't just be done in a lesson don't just send them to driving school or a swimming school or swimming lessons you teach them it's important for the parent to be able to teach those skills to the child do i have enough time to speak about the final the final point with message yes. with the message yeah okay awesome this is the most important one so the value of carrying the message of islam has to be the core family value for the muslims Especially when we come to look at Ahlul Bayt, we forget. What does Ahlul Bayt mean? Ahlul Bayt al-Nabuwa. It's a family. That's what it is. The Ahlul Bayt are a family. They're a family that carried this message. We look all throughout the Quran and we look in the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt how constantly we have the prophets asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for dhurriya saliha, for offspring, for children. Why do we constantly see these men and women of God asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this offspring? Obviously, there's a gariza and a desire amongst the human race to reproduce and bring their children because they want their legacy to remain. See, Islam showed us that the legacy on its own is not important as in my name, for my name to carry on. That's why I want to have a child. That's not the important part. The legacy is the message. The message is what has to continue. Otherwise, Islam doesn't even recognize them as our children. So when Nabi Ibrahim السلام, when his son turned his back on his father and turned his back on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and
and he did not board the ark and Ibrahim asked Allah to save him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replied to Ibrahim innahu laysa min ahlik he's not from your family so family is understood by iman it's not just the blood ties so on that day on the judgment day the Quran tells on that day it's not about us being brothers and sisters from the same womb it's about the path that we tread so we look at the path Sayyidina Zahra السلام, she brought a whole progeny a whole legacy carrying the message of Rasulullah and what we have to do when we marry we have to realize that when I'm looking for a spouse it's bigger than just her for me and me for her there's a global background that we have to take into consideration it's not only what we want we have to look at what does our imam want what does our imam need and then we build our children based on what he needs and so we have here what I like to call al-usra al-mahdawiyya it is the family of imam al-mahdi the mahdawi family we're looking what our imam needs and you know who did this best imam ali salam looked at what the imam in the future was going to need and based his family on that who was the imam in the future it happened to be his son and imam ali also happened to be an imam of his time but he looked at imam hussein he said one day imam hussein the imam of the time is going to need someone so loyal to carry his flag with him on a day so difficult that all of Islam rests upon it. And so he looks for a family of warriors because he needs a warrior. And he finds Umm al-Banin And she brings him Abu Fadl al-Abbas. Abu Fadl al-Abbas was in the mind of Imam Ali before he met Umm al-Banin. He wanted a child like Abu Fadl to be with the Imam of his time. So he worked. He designed it in his family in order to have this child. What we need to do is the same thing. We have to apply Imam Ali's technique through having the Usra Mahdawiya and think, all right, if Imam al-Mahdi needs one, two, three, I'm going to base my family values on what my Imam needs. So then I have children that can serve him. And if they don't, then in the Quranic understanding, no longer is that understood as family. So we have something global. It's not something based on just you and I and what we like and what we need. It's much bigger than that. Well, you guys have honestly left me speechless with your answers. And this it's only a 20-minute panel. I wish we had more time to speak about this. But I am motivated, inspired, and you guys have dropped gems of wisdom, honestly, through this entire segment. And I hope everyone viewing and watching is able to apply these things and um, take in all the information. I know it's a lot in such a short period and we, w we wish we had more time, but thank you so much, Sister Huda and uh, Sayyid Hassan for being with us today. And I hope you guys um, celebrate Imam Ali's birth and his life and his legacy over the course of this weekend and continue to watch the rest of the conference. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.